The Bible reading for this morning comes from Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Good morning, everyone. My name is Tom, and uh, I'm the youth minister here and at six other churches. I'm a very busy person. And uh, I get to speak to you about the Bible today. Uh, So I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into it. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's good. I pray that you'll be giving me your spirit, that I might say what you want me to say. I pray that all of us will have your spirit and we'll hear what you're saying to us. Amen. So when I was a kid, my parents uh, got in the mail a gold nugget. And I saw it, I was like, this is amazing. And then on closer inspection, we discovered it wasn't a real gold nugget. It was a piece of gravel that had been spray-painted gold. And it was an encouragement to enter a raffle so you could win a real gold nugget. But as a kid, I was like, oh, it looks like gold to me. I'm pretty excited about this. And so I carried that gold nugget around for a while, feeling like a very rich person. And we went to visit some friends, and those friends in my mind were very rich people. And so I took the gold nugget and I put it on their mantelpiece to see if it would fit in a rich person's decor. It totally did. And then I took it off the mantelpiece, and then I remembered that I've always had this dream of discovering gold. And I was like, I've got gold. I could discover it. And so I went into the front garden, and I dug a hole in the garden, and I put the gold nugget in, and then I filled up the hole, and then I put a rock on top of it so I'd know where it was hidden, and then I went away for a few days, and I left it, and I was waiting, I'm like, I'm going to discover my gold. And then I came back, and then uh, I took the, the rock away, and I dug it up, and I couldn't find the gold. Either someone had come and stolen my gold, or I was a terrible gold miner, that I couldn't even discover the gold that I'd put in the ground. One way or another, things did not go the way I planned, and I just had to content myself with the fact that one day someone else might be digging in the garden, and they could discover gold, and they would get the joy that I was hoping to get. And maybe you kind of know this feeling of excitement when you make a great discovery, when you discover some treasure that you've wanted. Maybe it's a bargain that you've been waiting for or a thing that you've been searching for for a long time and you find it on eBay or Gumtree at just the right price. You know a little bit of the joy that Jesus is talking about in these parables. Now, we've been working through the parables for... uh, the last few weeks of Matthew chapter 13. And in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God and what the kingdom of, oh, the kingdom of heaven in Matthew, what the kingdom of heaven is like. And the kingdom of heaven is anywhere where Jesus is king because he is the king and it is his kingdom. And each of the parables gives us a different idea of what it means to be part of the kingdom of heaven 
or what it means for the king to be ruling in his kingdom. And each parable gives us kind of a snapshot. There's not one which tells us everything, but all of them kind of help us discover the landscape of the kingdom of heaven. And so in this parable, uh, Jesus, or these two parables, Jesus is giving us one picture of what it is like to be someone who is within the kingdom of heaven or who is discovering the kingdom of heaven and discovering Jesus as king and choosing to give yourself to that kingdom. And the first parable is about uh, a guy. Oh, actually, sorry, the other thing that I should say that's important uh, is that these parables are the first parables in Matthew 13 that Jesus uh, gives to the disciples uh, once they have uh, come into a house and hung out with him in the house. So before he's talking to large crowds, and now he's talking to the people who are considering what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean to be part of this kingdom? And so the first parable is about a guy who is in a field. And we don't know why he's in a field. Jesus doesn't tell us what he's doing in the field. He might just be taking a shortcut somewhere. Probably not, because it seems like he's probably been digging in the field. And if you're taking a shortcut, you shouldn't stop and dig. It defeats the purpose of taking a shortcut. So he's doing something in the field. Probably he's working for the owner of the field. He could be digging a hole. He could be plowing the field. We don't know exactly what's going on. But somehow he discovers some treasure. And now the treasure probably wasn't just sitting out in the open uh, because in Jesus' day there were no banks. And so if you had jewellery or gold or something and you needed to uh, keep it safe from people who might try and steal it or if there were marauding armies coming through and you wanted to make sure that they didn't get their hands on it, then you'd dig a hole and you'd put the treasure in the hole so you could come back to it in, and find it. But if you forgot about it or you didn't tell anyone where it was or you died and, uh, and then you didn't get to go back for your treasure, uh, then the treasure could just stay there for a very long time. And so this is probably what has happened. So this guy, he has discovered this treasure and he's realized that if he just takes it, it doesn't belong to him. He's stealing treasure. And so he goes away and he sells everything he's got. He sells his cow, he sells his jewelry, he sells his house. He sells his Xbox, he sells his collection of gospel from the 1970s on vinyl, he sells that, he sells everything he's got, and then he gets all the money together and he buys the field. And when he buys the field, uh, then he gets to own the treasure for himself. And he's so happy because he has got the thing that he's put everything into. He knows the treasure is worth more than everything else that he had. Now, you may be sitting there going, this seems a little bit dodgy to me. And you're a little bit wondering, is Jesus teaching us bad ethics here? Because the Christian thing to do would be for the man to discover the treasure, then go to the owner of the field and say, excuse me, I discovered some treasure in the field. And the owner would say, wow, thanks for letting me know. You can have 10% as a finder's fee. And then he would say, great, and he'd feel good because he'd done the Christian thing, but this guy is deceptive and sells everything he has and takes the, the, the field for a bargain price. Is Jesus teaching us that that's the way that we should behave in life? Well, it's not, because this, tr this parable is not about the ethics of digging holes in fields. That's not what Jesus is talking about here. And we know that because the second parable that Jesus tells has almost the same story, a very similar story, with this making the same point. And the point is not about how you go about dealing with treasure that you might accidentally find. That's not the point of the parable, so don't stress about it. If you want to know the ethics of Jesus uh, on how you deal with treasure in fields, then 
you can go look elsewhere in the Bible. He doesn't especially talk about that, but you can probably extrapolate from other things he says. So what is the second parable? It is a guy who is out and he is a pearl merchant. So he spends his life finding pearls, buying pearls, selling pearls. And he comes across this one pearl, which is the best pearl that he has ever seen. And he decides that this pearl is the pearl that he needs to spend everything to get. And so he goes away and he sells all his pearls that he has. He sells his house. He sells everything he's got. And he comes back and he buys this one most precious pearl so he can have it for himself. Now, is this a parable about putting all your money into an asset that doesn't produce cash flow? Is that what Jesus is talking about? It's financially irresponsible to do that. But that's not what Jesus is talking about either. Because if we look, these two parables are giving us the same point. And that is when you discover the kingdom of heaven, you need to be willing to give everything you have to gain it. When you discover the kingdom of heaven, it may cost you everything you have to gain it. And even if it does, that is a price worth paying because it is that precious to be part of the kingdom and it is that precious to be a follower of the king. Now, there are some of you who are also now sitting there going, oh, I'm a little uncomfortable with this because you're good evangelicals and you know that we are saved by grace, which is a free gift from God. And this sounds like we've got to buy our way into the kingdom, that we find the kingdom of heaven and we sell everything and then God will save us because we've spent enough money. But that's not how it works. We, we know that's not how it works because when you become a member of this church, Pete doesn't come up to you and say, great to have you as a member, you've made it to level one, now you've just got to pay us $10,000 and we'll let you into the secrets of level two and then pay us another $20,000, we'll let you into the secrets of level three and if you become a top tier donor and give us $50,000 and you make sure this church plan happens, then you will definitely make it into God's kingdom. That's not how it works. We know that's not how it works. No, everyone is welcome in God's kingdom and everyone is welcome given the free gift of salvation that Jesus won for us at the cross. But just because something is free doesn't mean it's not going to cost you to get it. I'll give you an example. I'm sure this is one many of you will relate to. Earlier, uh, early last year, uh, I was in Woolworths. And uh, in Woolworths, I saw this uh, large box. And uh, in the box were candy canes, hundreds of candy canes, thousands of candy canes, maybe even. It was a big box. And there was a sign above it that said 99% off. I was like, wow, that is a bargain. These candy canes used to be a dollar. Now they were one cent. And my eyes lit up. I was like, I've got to get these candy canes. I've got to get my hands on this bargain. I started thinking about how much money I wanted to spend on candy canes until I stopped myself because I remembered I hate candy canes. I thought it was a great deal, except, you know, even if someone offers me a candy cane, I refuse it. So I'm not going to spend infinitely more money to possess a candy cane that I do not like. But if I happen to be someone who did love candy canes, this would be amazing. I, I could spend a lot of money. I could spend $100 and get 10,000 candy canes. When have you ever owned 10,000 candy canes in your life? Probably never. But you could. At that moment in time, I hit a candy cane Bonanza. It was great. Now, if I'd bought them, I could have all my 10,000 candy canes, and then I went back to my car with boxes and boxes of candy canes. When I got to my car, I would have a problem because I'd have to fit all the candy canes in my car. So I'd have to take out the, uh, 
the box of water. It's like a you know cask of water that I have just in case I get thirsty. I'd have to take out uh, all my just like my reusable bags. They'd have to come out. I'd have to take out the umbrellas that are there just in case it's raining. I'd have to take out all the many uh, Merry Creek service sheets that sit in my car. They'd have to go. I'd have to take out the box of books that lives in my car because I can't fit in the cupboard. All of that would have to come out of my car just so I could fit all the candy canes in. Now, the price of the candy canes didn't change. That was still a great bargain, but it would cost me everything that was in my car to gain the candy canes. And sometimes uh, that's what it's like following Jesus. <laughs> no, it's true. Because with Jesus, we wanna, if we're going to follow Jesus, it's free to follow him. But he's going to call us to give up things so that we might be a follower of him to give up that sin that we love, to be willing to have relationships fall apart because people don't like the fact that we're following Jesus. We might lose respect from friends and family or we might lose jobs because the ethics of Jesus call us to live in a way that is not in keeping with the way that we do our jobs. Getting the kingdom is free. Being part of God's kingdom is free but it may cost you everything you have. And the challenge of these parables is to call us to be people who are willing to pay that cost because we know that what we are gaining is infinitely more valuable than anything that we could give up. And so I think there's three things uh, in these parables that, uh, that, they can, that it can be inviting us to think about and inviting us to respond to. And I think there's, there's two different types of people that this is talking to, but either person is someone uh, who can choose to respond to the kingdom. Uh, the first is that the first person isn't looking for treasure when they're walking through the field or digging in the field. They're just going about their life, but then they discover the treasure and they immediately recognize how valuable it is and they respond to it. And there are people like that in the world who are going through life and they're not looking for any particular change, but then they discover Jesus and they realize how precious he is and they have to do everything they can to become part of God's kingdom. There are those people and you might be one of those people. Or then there's the person who is like the pearl merchant. The pearl merchant has spent his life looking for pearls. He knows how to evaluate what is valuable and what is not. And he is probably the per- like the per- people who spend their life as spiritual seekers, who spend their life looking for what is right and true in the world, what is the best way to respond to, to the feeling they have deep inside them. There is more to life than just this physical world. And maybe they are people who have been in a religion and are looking to do it faithfully or have looked into lots of different religions. But either way, when they discover Jesus, they discover how precious he is and they want to respond to him. These are the two types of people and you could fit into either of these camps. But whoever you are, there is a challenge for you in this, these parables. And the first is to be someone who recognizes the value of the kingdom. So the people in the parables, there are the active characters, but there are also these passive characters in the parable who never get mentioned. And that's the person who owned the field uh, and the person who owned the pearl, the precious pearl, before they sold it. And those people had treasure on their hands, but they didn't recognize how valuable it was. And it can be sometimes difficult to recognize the value of Jesus when he is before us. 
We can, we can miss the treasure that we get to encounter when we uh, discover the kingdom of heaven. The challenge is to be people who recognize what is in front of us. I was in Hungary in 2006 uh, with my sister and with my grandfather, who is Hungarian, and with his wife. And we were there because my sister and I wanted to be shown around Hungary with my grandfather so that he could uh, get us, help us to understand our, some of our history and our heritage. And he told this story, which I may not remember right, but I'm going to tell it to you anyway. And I haven't put in any effort to try and clarify whether it is right, because I'm worried that if I do find out what the true story is, it won't be as good as the one I remember. So I'm going to tell you the apocryphal story of what I heard in 2006. And we were walking down the street in Budapest, and my grandfather pointed to a shop and he said, this was my father's shop. And he said, one day a man came into the shop and uh, he said to my, my father, my great-grandfather, he said, oh, I've got this idea. And there's a man that my great-grandfather knew. He said, I've got this invention and uh, it's uh, for a writing implement. And it's not like a, uh, you know, we're used to our fountain pens, but this is a different one that the, the, the ink just continually flows. And my great-grandfather was like, oh, that's very interesting. And then the man was like, I'm going to a trade show to try and license it. Uh, would you be wanting to invest in this? And my great-grandfather thought about it and was like, no, I don't think I'll invest. And the man said, all right. And then he left and he went to the trade show and he he sold his invention, and his name was Laszlo Biro. He's the guy who invented the ballpoint pen. And the fact that my great-grandfather didn't recognize what is in front of him is the, the biggest reason that I do not own a helicopter today. <laughs> and the challenge of these parables are to be, make sure that we are people who do not miss the value of the kingdom that is in front of us. And we see it often, or I see it often as... As someone who is in youth ministry, there are people who grow up in the church and people who, who hear about Jesus all the time, the good news of a God who loves them, the good news of a God who has given his life so that they might be rescued, the good news of a God who invites them not just to be saved, but to be part of building God's kingdom here on earth. And that's great news, but all you can see is all the other stuff. The fact that Christians behave terribly sometimes and that looks like a reason to reject Christianity. The fact that when you read the Bible uh, it seems like there are flaws in there or there are rules and stories that seem uh, either absurd or just downright evil and if you don't spend the time to figure it out it can seem like a good reason to reject Christianity or sometimes you can understand everything but just it just costs too much. That Jesus is calling you to live a life uh, that doesn't let you do the things that you want to do. And so you reject Jesus. Because you do not understand the value of what is before you. And so you miss out. You're like someone who rejects the pearl because you don't like the oyster. The challenge is to be people who recognize the value of God's kingdom and are willing to pay the price to be part of it. Uh, the next thing that I think there is a challenge in there is to be people uh, not only who recognize the value, but also recognize the cost. Because there were people, these people in the parable, who were willing to pay anything to, to take hold of this treasure. And we can sometimes talk about Christianity and following Jesus like it's just another good thing that you can do. It's a good add-on to your life and it doesn't need to change things too much. But what Jesus is saying here is that it can cost you 
everything to follow him. And even if it does, there's a price worth paying. Uh, I, as someone who does youth ministry a lot, I've been to a lot of events uh, with young people where they give young people a chance to become a Christian. And the way it often works is someone will stand up the front, they'll give a talk, and they'll talk about how much Jesus loves you. And then at the end, someone will come up and start playing the keyboard and playing some emotional music so that people can respond. And then they'll say, now I'm going to give you a chance to come to Jesus. So if you want Jesus in your life, why don't you come down the front? And then they'll wait for people to come down the front. And if not enough people come down the front, they'll say, if you feel like Jesus loves you, why don't you come down the front? And they'll wait a bit more. They're like, if you can spell Jesus, why don't you come down the front? And they'll wait a little bit more. And then if, you know, no one's very good at spelling, they're like, if you want a free Bible, come down the front. And then (coughs) eventually they get a bunch of people there. And they're like, look at all these people are now part of God's kingdom. The angels are having a party. And the barrier for entry into the kingdom of heaven is very, very, very low. But that's not how Jesus does it. No, Jesus, uh, he makes it difficult to get into the kingdom. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. But for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. That's in Matthew chapter 16. Uh, He says in Luke chapter 14, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, that person cannot be my disciple. In Luke chapter 9, he says, No one who puts their hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Jesus is making the barrier high. And he's making it high because he wants us to know that if we follow him, it may cost us everything. And over thousands of years of people following Jesus, it has cost people everything. It has cost people their lives, it has cost people their freedom. It has cost people their families. It has cost people their jobs. It has definitely cost people their love for the things which caused them to leave Jesus, their love for the sin and the evil that lives in their hearts. It has cost them their old self as Jesus puts the old self to death and resurrects a new self within them. It will cost us to follow Jesus. And Jesus is making sure that we know what the cost is. So the challenge here is to recognize the cost of following him. But the last thing to recognize is also that it is a joy to pay that cost. These are not parables about people who just have a terrible time. These are happy parables. These are good news parables. These are people who are excited to pay the price to gain the treasure There are some things that is not a joy to pay. Like when you pay a bill, you do not feel happy. You've got to do it, but you don't enjoy it. You're like, oh, I'm going to pay my electricity bill, fine. I'm going to pay my car rego, fine. But then there are some things that you love paying for because it's exciting. And you might pay a lot more money for them, but you still love doing it. The biggest thing I've ever bought is my car. And I was so excited to buy my car. It's not a very cool car. It's like the coolest car I've ever owned, but it's not a great car. But I was so excited to buy my car. The day I paid for my car, I spent a lot of money on my car, more than I've ever spent. 
probably probably less than you know lots of people have spent because it's not an amazing car, but it felt great. I was so excited to hand over the money. I gave them the check for thousands and thousands of dollars, and I was like, this is amazing. I'm getting my car. I could have paid a lot of phone bills and electricity bills with that money, but I chose to put it into the car, and it felt great. And then I drove away. I'm like, I've got a new car. I was very happy to part with that treasure to gain this treasure because it was a joy to get the car. And now the car doesn't always bring me joy and it still costs me more money, uh, but it was a joy to spend that money. And what Jesus is saying here is that to follow Jesus, it is a joy to pay the cost of following him. Why would it be a joy? Why would it be a joy to have people turn their back on you because of your commitment to Jesus? Why would it be a joy to have to leave your job because you are sticking with the ethic of love from Jesus? Why would it be a joy to have to put to death sin in your life? Why would that be a joy? Because you get Jesus. Because you get to be not just part of God's kingdom, but you get the king of the kingdom. He becomes your brother. He becomes your savior. In Ephesians, it tells us that we, that we are in him, that we died with him, that we are raised to life in him. That if we are trusting in Jesus, we are now seated with him in the heavenly realms. That is, nothing, that is something that you cannot get from anything else in this world. And you get the one who loves you and gave his life for you as your brother and your friend who is by your side now and is inviting you to build his kingdom now and to be part of his new creation forever. That is something that is worth giving anything to possess. And it is a joy to pay that cost. And so, in these parables, we have these stories that challenge us about how we respond to the kingdom of heaven, how we respond to follow that king and challenge us to ask, are we willing to pay that cost? And challenges us to recognize that it is worth paying that cost and that we get to be joyful when we do it because what we gain is so much better than anything that we will lose by being part of God's kingdom. For some of you, uh, you may not be a Christian, and the challenge for you is just to recognize what the treasure is that Jesus has put before you. And if that's you and you want to discover it, then I would say ask God to show it to you. Ask God to make clear to you the riches of his love for you in Jesus Christ. And he will do it because he loves to call people to himself and welcome them into his family. And now if you are someone, though, who you've recognized it, but you're looking at the cost and it seems like it's too high, then for you, my challenge would be to ask God to show you the riches of his kingdom. And he will show you. And as he does that, as you discover in his word and through prayer and through talking to other Christians, as you discover what he has done for you in his son, Jesus, you will see that it is a price worth paying. And then there are some of you who are paying that cost, but it doesn't feel like a joy. It just feels hard. And then the challenge for you is the same as for everyone else, to ask God to show you the riches of his kingdom, that you might find joy again in what he has done for you in his son, Jesus. And as you ask him to do it and you seek him in his word, he will do it for you. You will see how good he is and you'll see the joy it is to pay the cost to follow Jesus to be part of his kingdom. We have a great treasure in Jesus 
And we get the joy of paying whatever cost it is to follow him. And I guarantee you, if we pay that cost, we will discover the joy and know what it is to be part of his kingdom now and forever. I'm going to pray for us. Our Father God, we thank you uh, for your son, Jesus. And we thank you that he saw us as a treasure worth gaining, that he was willing to pay the cost of his own life on our behalf so that we might be part of your family. I pray that we might recognize what a treasure it is to have Jesus, that we might recognize what a treasure it is to be able to pay the cost to be part of your kingdom. Pray for anyone who is struggling to recognize the treasure or struggling to pay the cost or struggling to find the joy that you will fill them with your spirit and they will see once again what it means to have the treasure that is your son, the treasure that is being part of your kingdom. Amen.